We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The Gap Factory Labor Day sale is happening now. Hurry in for the best deals of the season. 40 to 75% off everything. Plus doorbusters August 30th through September 2nd only. Tees from $4.99. Logo styles from $16.99. And jeans from $19.99. Shop in-store today at Gap Factory or at GapFactory.com. It butters my rolls, you know? Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of the Dynasty Tradecast. I, as most of the time, apparently, uh, am your host today. Uh, my name is Dan Sanio at FF Dynasty Dan on Twitter, and I am joined by my lovely co-host currently in his car outside. The Gap Factory Labor Day sale is happening now. Hurry in for the best deals of the season, 40 to 75% off everything, plus doorbusters August 30th through September 2nd only. Tees from $4.99, logo styles from $16.99, and jeans from $19.99. Shop in-store today at Gap Factory or at GapFactory.com. Out of McDonald's because he is here. He is committed to the bit. He is ready for the content. Mr. Nathan Powell. Nathan how comfy are you right now? You know, I'm in my car and I can't even like lay back because all my half my living stuff is in my car right now. But yeah, uh, folks, uh, I have some life advice for you. If you still have to live in a place for two months, don't accidentally throw away your Wi-Fi because it's not a great decision. He threw away his entire Wi-Fi, all of the areas surrounding his building, all of the telephone poles outside, the satellites in the sky. He threw away it all. 
Um, so yes, Nathan is here, committed to the bit, like I said before. So we uh, we are here. We are gonna do. Uh, we're gonna have a little bit of kind of news and notes to start uh, about the touchy Tyreek Hill subject off the top of the show, and then we are gonna dive into some of our uh, early rookie ADP. We'll go through uh, just kind of the list up and down. We'll make definitely make it through the first round, uh, and then we'll probably talk about some tiers. And uh, whether it's getting from one tier to the next or just physically talking about the tiers themselves and how they're built, um, we'll kind of structure that as we go. But before we hop into the news and notes portion, I just want to let everybody know that as a loyal podcast listener, you can get 30% off a Rotoviz NFL pass for the 2019 season. It's available through the NFL podcast homepage. That's rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. The 2019 season is around the corner, so make sure that you're ready. You can gain unlimited access to all of our NFL content and tools. So you get amazing value, support the podcast network, and help us out. So once again, that's rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. All right. So as I just alluded to, we are going to talk a little bit about the Tyreek Hill news. Obviously, we're a little bit late. Uh, We didn't want to jump on this horse as it was, you know, still in full sprint. We kind of wanted to wait for it to settle down a little bit until we had a little bit more to go off of uh, and make some, some educated decisions here. So Let's start off with just basic dynasty value impact on Tyreek. We still don't really know exactly what's happening. Obviously, with the recording being released and then later on some what looked like fabricated text messages, prosecutors reopening cases, and and just a little bit of everything, it's still really messy and, and just a horrible situation. But we've got to get a little bit of dynasty value out of it and kind of figure out what to do here. Obviously, we're talking about a Kansas City offense that last year was just unbelievable with Patrick Mahomes just going off the charts, doing everything Tyree Kill with a a high-end wide receiver one season. And uh, the running backs doing some work too. So, um, Nathan, let's start off just basic Tyree Kill dynasty value, what we're doing, whether we're – just holding on until we learn more selling because we kind of have a good idea. What are you doing here? For me, he's not a movable dynasty asset right now. I think that there's too much in the air that where you could possibly be trading for an absolute zero, but and I, it sucks that you have to say this, but he's so talented that many talented players like himself get third, fourth, fifth chances in the NFL. Maybe not in the year of 2019 as we get more, you know, I feel like we focus more on this, these off the field issues than we did 10, 12 years ago, but Tyree kill is good enough to get a second chance. So I wouldn't be selling right now for pennies on the dollar if I had any shares left. Um, But I'm also not looking to buy pennies on the dollar. Yeah. It's kind of that weird spot where because he is so talented and the ceiling is so high, but now the ceiling is still, you know, wide receiver one, but the floor is, non-existent it's out of the league is your floor so it's it's a really really tough spot i agree that he's really hard to move right now if if you're an owner that just wants to not deal with it and just wants to get out of there i can understand that as well i've i've had players like that in the past that i just want nothing to do with uh or maybe i i like them to begin with not necessarily you know like them as a dynasty asset but i just wanted to get out after news happened or or something changed with them 
Um, so this is probably one of those where I'm trying to find the middle ground somewhere if I'm trying to get him off of my team and hoping to find a trade partner uh, willing to do something similar. Uh, I still, to this day, am seeing a lot of trades go through, uh, even though he does seem really, really tough to move at any price right now. Uh, I'm still seeing all sorts of them. I'm seeing them from anywhere from mid seconds to combo deals becoming, you know, like a a decent first. Uh, and I'm seeing other deals where it's basically just giving them away f- for futures. And it's it's so hard to put a strict value on him right now that, like Nathan said, it's 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 he's almost unmovable. Yeah, and obviously, I think that. While most people kind of are set in their ways of where Tyree Kill's value right now is, I think it's more interesting to approach what is the Chiefs' offense looking right like in the post-Hill era, if, if it is that. Um, the first one is Patrick Mahomes. Obviously, he had a record-setting year last year, and that part of that was aided by Kareem Hunt, who's no longer on the team, Tyree Kill, who may not play in, in 2019. And yes, you can say that the quarterback is the most important position, and Mahomes m- maybe made... Tyree Kill and Kareem Hunt more than than the the vice versa, but I, I think no matter what, even with the replacement of of McCole Hardman and Damian Williams playing well, I, I think there's going to be a drop off in production from Mahomes going from probably two top five, top six players of their position to two players that simply aren't that. Yeah, that's fair. I, I mean, you're not expecting elite output from from a lot of these guys. But historically, Andy Reid has been one of those coaches that's been able to get the most off out of whatever he's putting on the field. And and obviously, like we said before, Kareem Hunt and Damian Williams aren't the same player, not even close. But Damian Williams is definitely serviceable. I think I think the ground game is probably the one thing that maintains at least a little bit. I wouldn't say it stays as the same high end. Um, but they drafted a couple of guys and, and brought in uh, what Carlos Hyde. I mean, I, I think that maybe stays kind of a, a just a constant. The passing game, like you alluded to a little bit, just downgrading significantly, it, it's going to be different. It's The offense is going to take probably a step back. Uh, obviously, we always ex- expect regression after massive seasons like that. It happens 99 times out of 100. So I, I still think we we have a Mahomes as a QB one you know finisher, not overall necessarily, but I still think he finishes comfortably as a as a quarterback one. I think Travis Kelsey is going to just have an absolutely stupid season, but that may not be necessarily the greatest thing for him long term. And we'll see kind of what uh, Michael Hardman does. Obviously, he was he was drafted to kind of be the Tyreek Hill type. I, I'm doubting he ever even you know sniffs that type of ability or value but we've seen you know we wouldn't have never expected this from Tyreek Hill when he came into the league so you know it's not crazy to say that they're going to be close but they're definitely not going to be what they were yeah and Mahomes is so good that if it's a drop-off it's more so like he's not going to have the historic year he might be he might really finish as QB one again, it just won't be as good of a QB one or he'll finish as a top three QB, maybe behind a Mayfield behind a golf. If he has a huge year there, there's some guys that can go, that have a range of outcomes ahead of him. But even with the subpar weapons, if you could call, you know, at that, at this point, which I guess that they are, I, I think that he's, you know, a pretty safely a top five quarterback. 
Definitely. Uh, and, you know, we, we talked about uh, Hardman in the running backs and Travis Kelsey and Tr- Kelsey was already absurdly priced as it was. But something we haven't mentioned yet is Sammy Watkins. Sammy Watkins coming into the league was, I mean, everybody was on him. You know, Buffalo kind of ruined him, if you want to say that. You know, the injuries obviously haven't helped. But this is a guy that can produce and he's shown that he can. If he stays healthy and he's on the field, he's going to produce, especially in this offense. So, if his value hasn't completely caught up because people are still afraid of the injury bug that he seems to never be able to get away from, I think he's worth buying at basically whatever market is right now because even if he only plays 12 or 14 games, you're going to get wide receiver one production from him during that time. I can almost guarantee it because he is still a very, very good wide receiver. It's just the injuries keep him from being an elite one. Yeah, and he really hasn't seen a large target volume in the NFL since his sophomore year in Buffalo. He, he or for, you know, second year in Buffalo, he had uh, his first year 128 targets in 16 games. Second year, uh, 96 targets in uh, 13 games, and then after that, he's topped out at 70 targets in 2017. So he hasn't really been a high volume target like many anticipated coming into, the, into his career, like, okay, this guy's going to be getting a lot of bubble screens. He's going to be a high, high catch producer. And he hasn't really been used that way in recent years. But at this rate, it, with the weapons they have right now, I don't see how Watkins doesn't get 100-plus targets, doesn't get 60 to 70 catches. I, I think he pretty much has to be used in a way where he's more in a more high-volume role, and the only thing stopping him from that would be, you know, injury. Right. And even if he's not getting the crazy volume, like we're expecting Travis Kelsey to get just absurd volume. But even if Watkins isn't getting crazy numbers, he's been relatively efficient throughout, even even when he has been hurt, even when um, they're maybe not targeting him constantly. He's he's still been pretty efficient uh, for the most part. So I think I still think we you have a a really, really nice buy in him right now because of the health uncertainty and because of the Tyreek Hill news still lingering and no one really knowing what's going on. I think I think Sammy Watkins is a nice buy. I, I've moved McCall Hardman up a good amount in, in rookie drafts, even you know, because if if Watkins isn't healthy, well then Hardman steps into a massive role that maybe he's not ready for, but he's still gonna get targets. So I think the Chiefs, you know, the, the wide receivers, uh, apart from Hill, are probably buys in almost any capacity. Uh, Kelsey's topped out in value for me. I, I don't know how he can get any higher. He's borderline Gronk value right now. Obviously, Gronk was like 101 for a couple of years, and he's not there because he's, what, 30 now. Uh, and Gronk was up there when he was like 25, 26. So uh, I think the age thing is the only thing holding holding Kelsey back from being a legitimate first-rounder. But Mahomes, you know, I still think he's the quarterback one in Dynasty. Uh, this season's going to be a mid-QB1 season, and people are going to be disappointed in it. But all he's expected to do is is put up a you know a top-10 season, basically, as a QB1. So I don't think a whole lot is really changing here, aside from Tyreek Hill either being there or not. All righty, that'll wrap up the Chiefs talk. Let's move on to some... Rookie draft ADP along with we'll give our takes on where, where the teardrops are in this rookie ADP. First, number one off the board, we're going one QB ADP for those that are wondering. What the 101 and one QB leagues pretty much unanimously. I've seen a couple Jacobs along the way, but number one is Nikhil Harry, the 101. Uh, my, my take here is that he is alone in tier one. He, he's the, the 
only guy I'd, I'd consider at 101. And I would move up from from other early first round picks to try and get to the 101. I mean, I I, I paid a little bit more, but I, I saw one trade today that was the 101 for the 104 and the 301. If you are trading down from the 101, you need to be getting more than the 301 to move three spots down. And for me personally, I was at the 103 and basically I traded two seconds for uh, the 101 and two thirds to move up those two spots. I think that's a fair value. If, if you do value the 101 as highly as I do in Nikhil Harry, he's uh, in the tier alone. Do you have it the same or does he share that tier with somebody else? Nope. He's, he's in that tier alone for me as well. The, the negatives we hear coming out of, of the community are, well, the Patriots have never been able to, to scout wide receiver and, and they never drafted one in the first round. And, so we have our almost unanimous pre-combine, pre-draft wide receiver one, who then goes to one of the probably five best landing spots. And now we don't want to take him 101 because he's a Patriot and they haven't been able to scout wide receivers. Uh, that that doesn't make sense to me at all. They haven't taken wide receiver there because they've just not taken wide receiver there and they've done okay not going with wide receiver early. And their misses in, you know, say the second round or whatever it has been for guys like Malcolm Mitchell who just got hurt and could never be healthy. That's, you know, we we can't really base all of that off of of them just not being able to figure out wide receiver. Taking Harry here in the end of the first and giving them the that fifth year option is huge. They could have waited. It, it seemed like everybody else was willing to wait on wide receiver except for the Baltimore Ravens. And I mean, pre-draft, pre-combine, this this was he was at least in the conversation for my top two. I, I don't know how we he's not just unanimous one oh one and locked in full tier. I I would say I have a, an, a like a half of a tier or a full tier gap between him and the rest. Yeah, and just to hit on one more thing about his landing spot, if you're going to hate on Nikhil Harry's landing spot, it shouldn't be because the Patriots can't scout receivers. The thing, my issue with the landing spot, if I have one, it's the lack of a long-term solution at quarterback. Yes, they drafted Jarrett Stidham in the mid-rounds, but that's not a that's not a solution. Oh, and I know yes, it been, is. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I know that Tom Brady's never going to retire, but it is a legitimate you know, concern whenever Tom Brady retires. But I, I think Harry is good enough that he can produce with a, a lower-level quarterback. So I'm not too concerned about it, but I think that that's more of a concern than the Patriots can't scout wide receivers take. I agree. I, I definitely agree there. Um, okay, let's slide down. So uh, we agree, tier break. We'll slide to 102, according to that uh, lovely uh, early ADP with a new Oakland Raiders running back taken in the first round, Josh Jacobs out of Alabama. The knocks on him were obviously his usage in college and and playing behind Damian Harris and Najee Harris. But some really good tape on on Josh Jacobs, a really cool story. Uh, I think everybody and their cousins rooting for him to do well. Um, but I think the usage thing is, is a, a genuine gripe here. Um, there's always talk every season about uh, running backs that are in committees, stay in committees. And, you know, the Alvin Kamara's aren't, aren't the, you know, the, the expected outcome. That's your, that's your outlier. So uh, I think for Jacobs to become truly successful, he'll, he'll be a little bit of an outlier, obviously being taken in the first round, you're almost guaranteed touches, which is going to help from a fantasy perspective, but we need to see him excel at being an actual NFL running back. And uh, I think he does plenty of things. Well, I think he's a great pass catcher. 
Uh, I think he needs a little bit of work between the tackles quite yet, but he goes to a spot where the team's just going to be using him because that's kind of that's kind of where their offense is going. Obviously, uh, Derek Carr isn't the greatest quarterback in the universe, but they do have Antonio Brown there, which should free up a little bit around the line of scrimmage with Josh Jacobs. So um, I agree with him fully being here at 102. He's my 102 currently, uh, only be if not only because of draft capital. Uh, Nathan, what are you doing here? Do you like Jacobs at 102? I do, but I think that Jacobs is a product of his circumstance going to the 102. I, I think it, it's a product of there was only one other wide receiver drafted other than Harry. There's Marquise Brown, and there were no other running backs taken in the first round. And while some are, are elated with the Miles Sanders to Philly landing spot, I don't love it. And then the, the next consideration would really be a third-round pick in David Montgomery. And when I'm looking at first-round running back versus third-round running back, there's quite a gap between those two for me. They might be in the same tier, but I'm talking about just like – there's not really a scenario where I take a third round running back over a first round running back. Yeah. And you know, I do like that Chicago offense with Montgomery and, and I think he, you know, that was the right price to pay for a running back in this draft and Chicago did well there. I agree with Miles Sanders being, uh, being behind him as well. I just, like you said, he, he's a product of his environment. He's a product of his landing spot in his draft capital. So uh, even if you don't love the player, the first round draft capital, especially on a running back, you almost are forced your hands almost forced here now you may like miles sanders the player a little bit better you may even like the philadelphia landing spot better um i I just it's hard for me to you know look away from that first round draft capital that we see in uh our lovely uh, often guest mr russell j clay uh we see his his first round second round third round all the way down all the breakdowns of all the seasons and and the potential outcomes for these guys and the further down the board you move, the more unlikely it becomes that these guys are actually relevant. So getting that first round cap draft capital, and obviously we've seen busts, whether it's injury or just being actually bad, but the numbers are in our favor to go with the first rounders here. All right. So in the spirit of this tier exercise, and we can kind of discuss guys after I, after we do this, but I'm just going to go through, we're going to start with Jacobs and I'm going to name names and you can stop me when it would be the end of this second tier and i'll give my take as well as when when the second tier ends before you start is it only the players that are uh, that are we going in order of list or, well, or we're gonna go in, or, we're gonna go in order of the adp and then you can interject i would have this guy in this tier as well and not this guy in this tier okay all right so josh jacobs tier <laughs> and then i'm taking like four guys that are drafted oh, later okay so you, so you think he's alone in his own second tier no, but the next like six people you're going to say or five, four people you're going to say aren't there for me personally. Where Who would be in, in his tier that's not close to him in ADP right now? Uh, so looking, going down the list, skipping past a few players, I'm going to uh, AJ Brown, DK Metcalf, Paris Campbell, Debo Samuel. Uh, and I think I even have to put Marquise Brown in there. And I think um, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside is right on the cusp of that with the other running backs. Okay, that's interesting because I also was one who, when I was putting out, uh, as the draft was was coming along, I was publishing my instant reaction or, you know, tweeting out my instant reaction rankings. And those instant reaction rankings are lower on Sanders and Montgomery than the general public. I think that pretty much as soon as the draft was over, many were considering them the 103 and 104, and that's what they are in this ADP. But 
I'm not as convinced that they should go over the AJ Brown, DK Metcalf, Paris Campbell. I, I think that maybe just because they're running backs, they go ahead of them. But j- just in general, I, I kind of agree with the take. But I think that from a from a value perspective, that you kind of take the running backs or you know trade back. Yeah, I agree. I think with the way the leagues have kind of been trending as of late, with running back kind of taking over. Uh, again, after its its long um, time away from being relevant, we now have some pretty good running back talent in the NFL, and uh, I think we see that a little bit here with having Sanders and Montgomery as your 103 and 104. And there's a lot of talk about the landing spots. People love the Philadelphia landing spot, but we haven't really seen any good output from Philly since McCoy was there four years ago, however long it's been. And obviously, we've seen recent good output from the Chicago Bears. So we see Jordan Howard leave town. Uh, Tariq Cohen's still there. And now you bring in David Montgomery. And um, while that's really good because now he's in a Matt Nagy offense and a player that's kind of built a little bit for the offense and is a better fit than Jordan Howard was, you still have Tariq Cohen there. You still have uh, what was early in the offseason thought to be um, the guy that was just going to steal a whole bunch of touches in Mike Davis. And, you know, a third-round rookie pick is is some draft capital. It's not it's not like, you know, end-all, be-all draft capital. But um, And I liked Montgomery coming in. I, I, didn't, I didn't love this running back class overall, but um, Montgomery was up there uh, with, with some of my guys. And I, I, I do like the landing spot, but full-blown running back by committee, uh, that's the way the league is trending. And... As as well as I think he can do in that offense, I still think he's going to be he's going to be held back a little bit by not only the quarterback but by Tariq Cohen as well. All right. So whether the, those backs belong in this tier or not, then there's kind of the tier of the day one tight ends. There, the, the Iowa tight ends. There's Marquise Brown and all of the day two wide receivers in order: AJ Brown, DK Metcalf, TJ Hawkinson, Paris Campbell, JJ Arcega Whiteside, Debo Samuel, and Marquise Brown's a little bit further down. But I think that's just people who don't know how to draft drafting in, in rookie mocks. Um, I think Marquise Brown should should definitely be in in that tier of of day two wide receivers and the the day one tight ends. Yeah, the, the Marquise Brown you know sliding way down there. I mean, he's a day one wide receiver, you guys. Yeah, I get that not all of you are going to love Lamar Jackson as as a quarterback, but they drafted him there for a reason. It, it's No one's going to believe that he's out there being a decoy. And if medicals were your worry, he was taken in the first round, so I'm pretty sure his medicals are okay. Uh, I know that was John a Ross. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it is it is what it is, but I think Marquise Brown is definitely in the conversation for – um, for this, what seems like big wide receiver tier, uh, with a lot of the the pre combine pre draft guys that people were really really interested in, excluding uh, one Hakeem Butler who is still surprisingly high even though he had just that wonderful fall down draft boards. Yeah, this this is a, a kind of a big mess because a couple of years ago this was going to be the wide receiver class, and now all of a sudden it's just a depth class, which is really nice. But a lot of times you're not wanting to spend a 105 or a 106 on a depth class or a, a medial type of talent. And there's a lot of these guys I really like. I don't think they're mediocre players. I think they're actually good players. And the really crazy part with all of the wide receiver spots here is all of the landing spots are pretty darn good. 
I would say the worst one is probably Marquise Brown, but because of the first round draft capital, you have to prop him up. Yeah, for sure. And honestly, I don't, I think that the badness per se of the Marquise Brown landing spot is overblown. You know, they, they were a run heavy offense because they were trying to develop Lamar Jackson and they added two wide receivers in the first three rounds because they want Lamar Jackson to turn into an NFL passer. So and while it might be an adjustment process for the Ravens offense, it, they're not going to be run the ball 40 times a game for the duration of Marquise Brown and Lamar Jackson's career. So uh, while we talk about these wide receivers, how do you feel about the, the tight ends in, in here? Obviously I'm a guy who does believe in draft capital a lot, but you do have to adjust your draft capital takes for tight ends and quarterbacks in one QB league. So how do you weigh the day one tight ends versus the, the day two wide receivers. So I really like both landing spots for both tight ends. Uh, I think the the Detroit hate for Hawkinson is kind of misguided. That's a pre- previous regime that screwed up Eric Ebron. That's not the Matt Patricia um, team. So I think Hawkinson does actually really well in Detroit. I, I think it's it's a perfect fit for Matt Stafford. We've seen those slot guys really excel in Detroit with Matt Stafford, whether it be Golden Tate or even Theo Riddick as your kind of slot running back. Um, you've still got the two outside guys, Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay. So I think I think Hawkinson fits in really, really nice there. And I think he's I, I think he's got real potential to be fantasy relevant day one. Uh, now I'm not expecting big numbers this year, but I definitely think he'll he'll have some decent some decent production. And then Noah Fant, uh, I think pre-draft, pre-combine, everyone's clear-cut tight end one. I know the TJ Hawkinson love kind of grew as the as the college season went on and everyone kind of started to see them as equals. And Noah Fant was more that tight end that most of the Debbie guys were after because that's one of few tight ends that are being drafted in Debbie leagues, uh, at least, you know, kind of short-lived Debbie leagues, not, not like super deep ones. Um, but I like the Broncos landing spot, even though they've seemingly brought in like every every tight end, uh, uh, you know, in this galaxy, kind of like the, um, kind of like the Ravens without spending the draft capital. So, uh, rest in peace, Jake, Butt. say good night, Troy Fumagalli and enter Noah Fance, who I think is just going to basically play wide receiver for them. Yeah. For me, my takes on these tight ends, I, I do like both, but I'm kind of fine taking those day two wide receivers ahead of them or, you know, trading back and letting someone else take the tight end just because, I, I I just prefer the wide receivers. That's just the way I, I play Dynasty. All right, let's move on to the next quote-unquote tier through ADP. And the, it's Kyler Murray go, going off the board in the late first, early second. Hakeem Butler, Marquise Brown, who we already, talk, already talked about, should be higher. Andy Isabella, McCole Hardman. And I'll, I'll say that's probably where the buck stops before we, we talk about another tier. So it's Kyler, Butler, Isabella, Hardman. Uh, thoughts on these guys? Do you have a favorite of this bunch? Yeah, I mean, this is probably the comfort zone for me to take Kyler because of the rushing upside and and the pairing with Cliff Kingsbury in that offense. Uh, I think he's got some real upside. Now, obviously, in, in one quarterback leagues, there's not very many quarterbacks that are worth a first-round pick. But, you know, this Kyler's probably one of them because of the upside. So I would say he's probably my favorite here. But I really do like uh, McCall Hardman, I think, I think he could potentially step into a massive role and produce day one. I'm going to be more patient with him than that. I just, that, that kind of lingers in my mind, the potential with Patrick Mahomes and the Andy Reid offense. Uh, so I think 
the biggest upside is probably Kyler. And I would argue that uh, Hardman's probably one of the more safe picks because of the offense that he's entering. And then the Arizona wide receivers, you know, Hakeem Butler, you know, he was up there because he's such a unique player, size and, and athletic ability but he just he didn't cut it in, on draft day, and and you know that's important. If the NFL doesn't see him as such, you just kind of got to go with it. So I, I'm a little bit surprised that he's still going uh, in that late first, especially because he was he was drafted after Andy Isabella, who was another guy that a lot of people really liked. Had him had him as kind of a top eight wide receiver, give or take a few, and he went in that type of spot. So I think Isabella would be would be my next choice there. And I, I just, I don't have Butler in this group. Uh, I probably won't be getting him on any of my teams because people still seem to be taking him about a round before I'm comfortable taking him. Yeah, I, I'm all on board with that. I, I think that the, my two avoids here are Butler and Kyler. I, I, I don't think Kyler's a bad player. Certainly I'm, inv- I'm trying to invest as much as possible in Superflex in him, but I'm finding it hard to take any quarterback above these day two wide receivers. And so then it comes down to Isabella and Hardman. And I I think both those guys are are, are good values here. Some people even have Hardman going, you know, 108 to 111 range. That's where it comes a little bit risky for me from a guy who had minimal, you know, production from a college standpoint, but you know, he's in the ideal situation. He got the draft capital in the second round. So there's, there's a number of things to like about Hardman. And so, I mean, I guess I would say he's my favorite of this group and Isabella would be the runner up. All right, let's move on to the next set of players. And this is going to be a group of day two and day three running backs with a couple other things sprinkled in. We have, and this is going to wrap up uh, our, our rookie draft tiers for now, basically the top 24 players in ADP right now. Uh, so it's Daryl Henderson, third round pick, Damian Harris, third round pick, Justice Hill, fourth round pick, Irv Smith Jr., I believe second round tight end. Yep. Um, round two of the Vikings. Dwayne Haskins, 15 overall, Singletary, third round pick, Kelvin Harmon, sixth round pick, and Miles Boykin, third round pick. So is it safe to say these guys are all pretty close in dynasty value? Is there one that sticks out as too high or too low? No, I, I feel like this is kind of more of a comfort zone for everybody. The the running backs make sense here because they're basically all in backup roles except for Justice Hill potentially. Uh, I could definitely see him taking over that spot in in Baltimore. Obviously, they're all of these guys are likely going to be working in a committee of some sort. But I do I do think Justice probably has the highest upside. But Daryl hey, Henderson, I'm not sure about that one. Well, if we're, if mean, we're talking upside, if we're talking upside, if Gurley is broken, Daryl right. Henderson is the top 10 running back. Right. That's where I was going with that. If, if Gurley's knee truly is just gone, uh, which my, that's I'm fearing that right now. I'm moving off of Gurley. I've been I've been avoiding trading for I've been selling where I have him. I, I mean, Daryl Henderson's a hell of a running back and they invested more than I thought they were going to. I thought they were going to draft somebody. Even after matching the Malcolm Brown contract, I still thought they were going to draft somebody. I just didn't think it would be, not that that's a super early pick, but they got the right player at the right time. And that's that's a potential monster right there. And, and I think I think between he and Justice Hill, you could have legitimate you know, high-end RB2s. Or if Gurley's gone, Daryl Henderson could be a top five, top six type guy because he had that ability in college and in the offense, he just was drafted to uh, sky's kind of the limit. 
Yeah, and certainly there is a. I mean, I would say out of this class, Daryl Henderson has the widest range of outcomes. He could, you know, be replacing Gurley, or he might just be backseat to Gurley, where you know we 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 a lot of people like John Kelly this time last year, but that just didn't come to fruition because he was stuck behind Gurley, and now of course they're, they invested a higher pick into Henderson. I, I will say that I, I also think that Damian Harris is a good value here as well. I, I think that. You know, people are saying, oh, it's such a crowded backfield, Patriots, da 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 But they invested in him for a reason. They Patriots don't just waste third-round picks. So I think that he's going to be the goal line back there and, you know, could develop into a, a bigger role with Sonny Michelle, maybe even trying to develop more as a receiver. But I guess James White has that role as well. So I, I, I would say Henderson has the most upside of this group. And I would say Singletary is probably the one I'll end up with the most shares of. Not because I think it's a great situation in Buffalo, more so because he's going significantly lower than all of the running backs being drafted ahead of him. Yeah, and and I think Singletary and Justice Hill have have a really similar line to to carries and to production, and in kind of similar offenses. Obviously, um, Josh Allen is you know the the big arm guy and all of that, but the big rushing upside with Allen kind of makes that a little bit of, of kind of that, that similar type of offense. Obviously Lamar Jackson's not going to be running it as much as he has been, or at least that's, I would certainly hope so, or he's going to be broken. So uh, yeah, I think, I think Singletary is a nice value. Uh, I'm not sure how high up I'm moving him, but I definitely think he belongs with the other three right there. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't think you necessarily have to say he should be higher to say he's a value. He's a value where he's at, but if he was higher, he wouldn't be that value anymore. Right. <laughs> that's, that's how it works. But yeah, I think you should be right there with the other running backs and only a couple spots behind. It's not that big of a jump, but I agree with you. I think I'm going to end up with a lot of, a lot of shares from him. And you know, the, obviously uh, Haskins going, I would imagine going to be a day one starter. Maybe he gets a couple weeks of Keenum, but he's, I mean, he's pretty pro ready overall. So I think, I think they see what they have in Haskins unless, uh, unless Keenum's just doing something amazing. But Irv Smith is, is a guy that, that really intriguing to me. The Vikings can save a whole heck of a lot of money by, by moving Rudolph, whether they cut him or trade him. And obviously Rudolph has, has done a lot for that, that organization and everything, but business is business. And they just spent a second round pick on a tight end and a good tight end out of Alabama uh, which, you know, the last one that came out of Alabama was pretty darn good. And I'm, I'm, I see a lot of potential with Irv Smith. Um, I think, I think he's probably my favorite tight end target in the, in the entire rookie class because of where he's going. I don't have to spend the first round pick on a Hawkinson or a Fant, and I might even be able to get Irv Smith in the late second. Um, I've been doing it in a couple places already. And, and I think, I think there's a lot of upside there. Obviously, with tight end right now, you can't really be sinking a whole lot of value into uh, into day two tight ends who have a, a clear number one in front of them. But I, there's real potential there. All right. So let's wrap up. We hit on Carmen a bit uh, last week, but we can hit on him again here. Right now in in this ADP, he's going ahead of Miles Boykin, who went in the third round to the Ravens. He's going ahead of his teammate, uh, Terry McLaurin, or is it Trey McLaurin? I don't know, whichever one it is. Whatever McLaurin, who who is on the same team, but went three rounds earlier. And, by the way, McLaurin played football with Dwayne Haskins. So I think there are a number of factors that 
lead to Harmon being overvalued here. And Boykin is honestly one of my favorite targets in rookie drafts right now. Yeah, I, I, going back to the Marquise Brown pick earlier, obviously the, the landing spot isn't super ideal, but the Ravens got two really good wide receivers. Miles Boykin, I think, was one guy that was really, really underrated coming in and, and started to gain a little bit of steam towards uh, once we got closer to the draft at post combine when people kind of saw how you know athletic he actually was and the numbers he was able to put up in. Uh, I, I do like Miles Boykin, like Singletary in the last group. I'll find myself getting a lot of Boykin. Harmon's one that's a little bit tough because of how far he slid, and he was still pretty high up a lot of boards early on. Landing spot obviously is pretty darn good because there's really not a lot in his way at the moment. Obviously, Terry McLaurin, you know, with playing with um, Dwayne Haskins in college is going to is going to be a pretty big factor, and he definitely shouldn't be going after Harmon, but. Harmon's going to be, I think, honestly, I think Harmon's going to be a good NFL player, but he may be better NFL player than fantasy asset. Alrighty, that'll wrap us up for today's Dynasty Tradecast. Make sure to leave a rating and review. Uh, we appreciate you guys listening. Uh, any last thoughts, Dan? No, thanks for being here. Uh, this one's always fun. I always love post draft um, tradecast talk. It's kind of, you know, it, it butters my rolls, you know? butters your rolls no better way to say it we'll see you guys next week Gap Factory Labor Day sale is happening now. Hurry in for the best deals of the season. 40 to 75% off everything. Plus doorbusters August 30th through September 2nd only. Tees from $4.99. Logo styles from $16.99. And jeans from $19.99. Shop in-store today at Gap Factory or at GapFactory.com. The Gap Factory Labor Day sale is happening now. Hurry in for the best deals of the season. 40 to 75% off everything. Plus doorbusters August 30th through September 2nd only. Tees from $4.99. Logo styles from $16.99. And jeans from $19.99. Shop in-store today at Gap Factory or at GapFactory.com. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.